Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Welcome to the Weave Report. This is Clark here. Hello, everybody. We got an opportunity here now to, to get some rest and some practice time. Uh, obviously, it falls at the at the appropriate time in the schedule for us with what we're going through here and gives us a chance to just get back to work. Okay, James, that was Sheldon Keefe, of course, after the end of a weekend that did not go the Maple Leafs way. But they've got a break. Some time off. How are you feeling about things for this team? Hi, Jonas. Um, yeah, it, it, you know, it, it, everyone... We're all going to talk about this as as more than just the two games, but they actually there were they played pretty well in some of the other games they lost, right? Yes. So it's it's really mostly the Saturday Winnipeg game and the Sunday Ottawa game where you're like something's wrong. It's almost like they lose some close games where they play pretty well, and it I don't know if it shakes their confidence or and not to make excuses for them, but they also they look. They look completely depleted and 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 gassed um, on, in those weekend games. So the this is good timing for a break. The reason it's bad timing for a break is that we're all going to be dissecting and picking apart what's wrong here. But um, you know, I, I guess the good thing for the team is that we're not in the dressing room right now, and there's not they, they're not having to face a TV camera pointed in their face every day. And hmm. you know, I think that there are some advantages to them. Um, having their struggles and their break with the way that the, the media environment is right now for the team. Okay. So we have a big guest on down goes Brown and we're going to, we're going to play a game that I created and hopefully the game works. It will be called real fake or in between. Huh? Huh? You like that James? Um, so we'll get, it sounds like it's, it sounds like it's about boobs or something. Oh, I guess you could take it any way you want. <laughs> that's not, that's not the direction that we're going to go, but what's, what's the Seinfeld quote? They're real and they're spectacular. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so you mentioned like the Winnipeg game. 
even the Winnipeg game, like half the game, it's like a very close game. Like n- neither side is really getting all that much. The Leafs are probably giving up more chances. Oh, they didn't play. They played. They looked brutal, though. Yeah, they didn't look great. Um, I guess I'm just not super concerned. I guess the the points that I would be concerned with, and we'll get more into this with DGB, is the goaltending. And the penalty kill are probably the two that that, that worry yep. me just because those are yep. long-standing issues. Um, which of those I, – I guess it's the goaltending that, that probably concerns you more, maybe? Yeah, I know. You and I both wrote stories about it just because – you know what? I went into that story thinking I was going to write that, that there's multiple issues. And, um, you know, in looking through Anderson's numbers the last – going back to the beginning of last season – they were worse than I thought they were going to be, to be honest with you. And, you know, a lot of people are saying that, you know, how, how bad a save percentage is. And it's like, yeah, I mean, and, and that's like an indicator. But if you go another layer deeper and you look at some of the, the more analytical goalie numbers, they're they're really bad. They're 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 really bad. So, you know, he's he's down there with goalies like Braden Holtby and Jonathan Quick, who who are big names, who have won in the past. But um who have kind of fallen on hard times. That's kind of who his contemporaries are right now. Um, yeah, but you look at the 5-on-5 numbers, and they're not bad. And, and I mean, even before last night, the Leafs were, I believe, third in the league in 5-on-5 save percentage. They're not good either, though. Like I, the, the, best, the best numbers that Anderson has is like 5-on-5 save percentage, and he's like 23rd out of 43 goalies that have played. 40 games and since the beginning of last year. I, I, I'm bringing in last year just okay. because yep. I feel like 20 games is such a small sample that it's it, to me, this what's the way Anderson's played this year is a continuation of what happened last year. Yeah. And I, I guess what you're, we're, we're trying to project towards is the playoffs and the real challenge is no matter what he shows in the regular season, it's not going to totally matter. Um, like he could be the Vesna Trophy favorite right now, and I think we'd still be on here being like, "Yeah, but we, we kind of need to see what he what he does in the playoffs." The the trouble, James, like in in thinking about this, if your management is just picking around like some of the teams that are going to be out of it, I, I don't know who the guy is that you're going to look at and be like, "That guy is definitely better than Frederick Anderson." Now you you can throw the the Arizona guys at me. Are they definitely better than Frederick Anderson? I think Darcy Camper is, but I mean he's hurt right now, and the the trouble is. So let's say they decide they want to they want to make a change. This is not a normal year to make a trade. No, you know, that's like true too. to make the money work, you're going to have to send Anderson the other way. In a normal season, you send Anderson the other way. Camper gets on a plane. He's ready to play the next game. Sometimes they even play that night when they, when a trade's made during you know near the deadline. You can't do that right now. So. You know, like, are they going to trade? This is just purely hypothetical. I don't like. I don't actually think this is anything they're talking about or thinking about or anything. But you trade Anderson for Kemper, then you got to wait two weeks for Kemper to play. <laughs> you know, like yeah, but that's not the worst thing. I mean, like, so Campbell plays a few games. It's this is really about the playoffs and and which goal you think is going to give you a better chance to make a deep run. And and I guess to go back to my point about the regular season, the problem with the regular season is there's nothing here that suggests or that gives you confidence that this is going to be different. Um, 
and yet, like, I don't know how I'd feel even if he was playing really well. I'd still probably feel the same way. Like, I, I still don't know if you're going to see that same thing in the playoffs where it gets tight and, and he gets tight. You know what I mean? I think if he looked really, really solid and dependable right now, I think there'd be a lot less fire around him. And if they were losing games, it would be around something else. That's true. It's the, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, it's interesting. You had you mentioned this in your story that like kind of their their shooting percentage has come way down and their offense hasn't been nearly as dangerous. And some of what they were doing in the first 15 or 20 games of the season just wasn't sustainable and that this was inevitable. This was going to happen. Yeah, and, and I think you wrote that at the time too. Yeah, like it... It, there, there was no way they were going to be able to keep scoring on you know thirteen percent of their shots or whatever it was, and some of what what happened in the first start of the year was a bit of a mirage. But and it's funny that goes away, and then all of a sudden you know people are we're talking about the goalies, you know. Um, but you know what? You, you know what's part of that, James? Is it's also the way they look. Like they just don't look as dangerous, and I think a big part of that and why my concern level is kind of mixed is their best player for two weeks was not his himself. Like it was only in that Sunday night game where he started to look like Austin Matthews again. And obviously he had some moments where you're like, geez, like how, how is he doing this when he's at 75 or whatever percent, but he was not normal dangerous. And that line wasn't normal dangerous. And like when that line isn't going and with some of the struggles that they've had elsewhere, um, they're just not as they're just not going to be as threatening. You know what I mean? Well, Matthews was the best player in the NHL, yeah, or the second best player in the NHL for a long time there to start the year. You know, he was the when he came on the ice, the Leafs had the momentum. It felt like every time, and that there there could be a goal at any minute. And yes, he felt inevitable. <laughs> Thanos. Yeah, I like that. Just, he he was Thanos. He he just snapped his fingers and created a goal when they needed one, and basically, and and he did you know again like it was, it was it's not realistic to expect that Matthews was going to be able to continue doing that, but um, not having that means they look that they look like a more ordinary team, and there's a lot more focus on like do you think that the the D has played worse the last no. two two weeks? I mean, there's than been moments like the, the, that that Dermot Bogosian pair has been exposed a little bit. Justin yeah. Hall's had moments where he's looked a little fatigued, but like the last couple of games have been a little better. I think Riley Brody have been fine with like hiccups here and there, but that's it. Seems th- like Muzzin's having a hard time with that that fishbowl on his face too, right? So yeah, that's conceivable. But that's that's like why you bring it back to Anderson. It's like and even like the Sunday night game. No, they did not play well. But when you give up two goals like that to start the game on the second night of a back to back, it's just like. Imagine you're on that bench. You're like, Jesus. Like, Just to clarify, that wasn't Anderson. That, that was yeah. Michael Hutchinson, right? Yeah. And like that's – that's that's Jack Campbell is, has been hurt. And like it feels like he's day, he's been day-to-day for like two weeks. Uh, yeah. Well, the Leafs do that sometimes with injuries, right? Where like they don't really give us the set time frame. Yeah. I remember Mike Babcock used to say day-to-day basically means 10 days. Yeah. Well. That was like – that was like a Lou era thing where they could obscure how long the uh, – how how long guys were going to be out, and it was difficult for us to to get insight into that. The one thing I did want to flag, Jonas, is that the Leafs have gone from have, having the best record in the NHL twelve days ago to now they're tied for eighth. And Winnipeg has basically Winnipeg is the same points percentage as them. Winnipeg and Winnipeg plays, I think, all of their games in hand before the Leafs play again. 
So it's conceivable the Jets pass them here in the next couple of days. Well, and that ties back to something we talked about on the pod before, and that's like the the schedule and the teams that they play. They had only played Winnipeg once prior to last week. Uh, And I think you and I would both agree, like Winnipeg is the second best team in the division. So when you're playing everybody else but the second best team in the division, like maybe your record is a little better than it should be or it would be if you're facing a little bit better competition, if that makes any sense. I also think that the idea that the division is a total I know you do. I, I breeze is, argument, is is overblown. You know, there's a lot of it is teams. And it isn't. There's a lot of middling teams in the division. There's not there's not a bunch of juggernauts, but there's no I mean look 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 at some of these other divisions. Like they're just brutal. Yeah, but every other, we've talked about this before. Every other division has at least like a couple other good teams. Like there's like three good teams in every division, I would say, except this one. Although if you want to say there are three good teams in this division, you can. But mm, I would just say that there's the Leafs are good, and then you've got one, two, three, four solid teams, and then you've got Yeah, but James, look at these, these divisions, okay? The Central, Carolina, Tampa, Florida, all good. Uh yeah, well, no one was saying Florida was good coming into this year. I you should go and check my my picks for like coach of the year. I think I or surprising team. I think I picked Florida. Anyway, the West: Vegas, Minnesota, Colorado, St. Louis. All good. The East: the Islanders, Caps, Minnesota. Penguins. Like literally, no one was talking about Minnesota. I don't care what people year. are talking about. Like these are teams that are good. Um, the other division: Boston, Flor- Philly, Pittsburgh, Washington. I mean, like anyway. There's, there's lots of good teams out there, James. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, James, I, I like to let you introduce our guests. I think you've gotten pretty good at it. So take it away. I'm just going to do what I normally do when I see this guy. I'm just going to say DGB. There's your intro. <laughs> That's actually is how he greets me. Every <laughs> Dude, normally it's every much louder at the top of my lungs and we're in a crowded establishment somewhere and you cover, yeah, your, or you like cover your face. Yeah, we're like a convention or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's <laughs> how are things? How's life in uh, in Ottawa? It's, uh, life's okay. I mean, it's it's good up here today because the Senators beat the Leafs and that's the uh, main main source of joy in Ottawa these days. So uh, happened again and uh, they're they're mostly in a good mood up here. Is it would you avoid wearing a Leafs jersey around town on a day like today? I think if you own a Leafs jersey in Ottawa, you've taken enough grief over the years that uh, a, a regular season loss isn't going to uh, isn't going to too much do too much damage. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. None of us are allowed out of the house, so it doesn't uh, doesn't really matter. Yeah. All right. So, Sean, what we're going to do today is my amazing game called Real, Fake, or In Between. How does that sound? That sounds awesome. All right. I said to Jonas, it sounds like breast implants or something like that. Could also be that. Yeah. One of, <laughs> one of the two. I can assure maybe you there'll be, it is not. Maybe there'll be one of those questions. <laughs> so basically what I want to do is I want to look at stuff that happened in the first half, people, trends, whatever, 
Uh, and we can debate whether that's real, whether that's fake, or whether that's something in between. Does that make sense to you guys? It does. Okay. Let's start with the, the, the biggest burning trend or player or person in the spotlight, and that's Frederick Anderson. He has a 900 save percentage right now. Um, so, DGB, you can go first. Is his first half real, fake, or somewhere in between? Yeah, it's it's probably somewhere in between, and and the obvious answer is is we don't know because he's a goaltender, and we just don't ever seem to know anything about what's real and what's not when it comes to goaltending. Uh, so, if you want to be an optimist, uh, you could certainly look at his bigger body of work over his whole career and say that he's a better goalie than this. Uh, if you're like the other ninety nine percent of Leaf fans and you you tend towards the pessimist side, you're looking at this guy and you're saying, this isn't this isn't a bad month or even a bad first half to a season. This is now a year and a half running that he's been about about this sort of goalie. Uh and you know, you can put aside the narratives about playoffs and game sevens and whatever else. He just he hasn't been great uh for the last year and a half. And he's thirty one. You know, it's it's it, this isn't somebody in his prime where yeah, you just go some guys just just have a bad year or even two. He's at that age where this decline could be a real thing, and it's uh, it's a concern. It's uh, you know certainly like every other goalie in the league, even when things aren't going great, every now and then he has a game where you go, okay, he's back, he's figured it out, he looked fantastic. Uh, but the, the the way you got to evaluate goalies is is you take a step back, you look at the big picture, and and it's this isn't a short term thing anymore. So I'm I'm starting to wonder. I think we don't know uh, because we never know with goalies, but it's it's probably close to being real than than being on the other side of the of the the spectrum. Yeah, that's where I am too. It was interesting, Sean. You know, I I was looking at some of the goalies statistically who look the same as Anderson over the same time frame that we're talking about the beginning of last season. And a lot of the guys that come up next to Anderson are kind of like the older underperforming guys, Jonathan Quick, Braden Holpe, Martin Jones is right there. If you look at some of like the, the analytics and stuff like that. And that's, those are not, those are not really the guys that you want your number one goalie on a contending team who plays the majority of the games to be showing up next to. So you know, I, I, coming into this year, the Leafs really thought that Jack Campbell was going to be a factor for them potentially if if Anderson had another mediocre season. And obviously, we know that you know Jack Campbell's only been able to play three games, and he's looked really good when he has played, but he's been hurt so much that that kind of that's been taken out of their arsenal somewhat. That you know, I think they thought that Anderson was going to play less; he was going to have more of a push from the backup position than he's ever had before in Toronto, and that not having that has has really hurt them significantly. Yeah, and you know what? You, you both make good points. And, and one, Sean, that you made is I get frustrated sometimes watching broadcasts and they'll talk about a goalie, whether it's like Carey Price or Braden Holpe, and they'll be like, but this guy's like, he's a really good goalie, Matt Murray. And it's just like at a certain point, we have to, we can't keep looking so far in the rearview mirror and we just have to look at what's been in front of us in the more recent term. And the more recent term is like, maybe he's not a great goalie anymore. Maybe he's just like, maybe he's below average. Like maybe this is who he is. So I guess the question I'll ask to you both and and Sean, you can go first is what do you do if you're Kyle Dubas? 
Yep, that's uh, that's the million dollar question uh, because it's uh, and and I know when it gets to goaltending, a lot of people sometimes get confused by some of the numbers and the analytics. But I, I'm just going to say that when you when you hear somebody say Martin Jones is right there, that's a bad sign. <laughs> <laughs> that's not uh, that's that's not words that you want to hear strung together talking about your. That was my gift to Leafs fans. That that comment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's the pull quote for the episode. Um, look, I, what do you do? I'm not sure. I, I mean, the obvious answer is this is an all-in season, and it needs to be treated that way. So if if there's an issue anywhere in the lineup, you go out and fix it. Yeah. But that's so much easier said than done. Uh, First of all, for for anything, but especially when it comes to goaltending. I mean, if you've got if 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 the forwards aren't good enough, you go get another good forward and you push everyone one spot down the lineup, and that makes all the spots below a little bit better. Same thing with defense, but goaltenders, there's only one guy out there, and you know you look around, it there is there's expected to be uh, some movement in the goaltending market. Guys maybe could shake free this year that wouldn't normally because of the expansion draft looming over everything and teams that have two guys and don't want to lose one. Um, but who's the guy out there that's realistically going to be available uh, that is a clear upgrade over Frederick mm-hmm. Anderson? Who's the guy that if you wake up tomorrow morning and you find out the Leafs made a trade for this guy that you go, okay, that's definitely better. Uh, and they haven't just brought in another guy who on some nights might be better and some nights might be just as much of a question mark. And I'm... I'm looking down the list. I'm not really seeing anyone um, that makes me think, yeah, that would be a clear upgrade uh, and worth spending the somewhat limited assets and somewhat limited cap space that the Leafs have to make a move. Uh, you could go out there and get a guy, uh, and and he comes in, and, and if you keep Frederick Anderson, if he's not in the trade, Anderson maybe keeps the job, and you just go, okay, we had, we had uh, only a, a limited amount to work with, and we spent it on somebody we didn't even end up using um, because they weren't better than Frederick Anderson, maybe weren't even better than Jack Campbell. Uh, it's tough. Uh, you, maybe there's something creative out there that we're not seeing right now. That That's what good GMs go out and find. But I look down the list of guys, and I see a bunch of guys who are in the Frederick Anderson zone mm-hmm. to me, and that doesn't solve the problem. Well, James, so like James has brought up Darcy Kemper. You're not, like, I'm not, if I'm Kyle Dubas on that management team, let's say it costs you a first-round pick. So that's that's one part of the equation. I'm not sure that that's worth it. I'm also not sure, like, I, I wake up the next morning, like Sean's talking about, and I'm like, yep, we're set, we're good. Like, we, we have our, we're going to be fine in goal. Like, James, can you make that case with even a guy like Kemper? Well, I think just getting out of the headspace where it's like, you really are really don't have a lot of confidence in Anderson, especially when it comes to the playoffs. The other counterpoint I would make to that is the Leafs are going to need a new goaltender, a new starting goaltender next year, no matter what, right? Like, I mean, I think it's very unlikely that Anderson comes back next year. They're going to have to come up with some sort of... So maybe all you're doing, guys, is, is just deciding who your number one goalie is next year early, and then you're not leaving yourself exposed and potentially vulnerable if Anderson falls on his face in the playoffs. Maybe you're just, you're just getting ahead of what's going to be a question for you in the off season anyway. Yeah. And, and Kemper is a guy that I like and and he may be the closest to, to being that guy that I would feel like was a clear upgrade. Um, and you know, when, if you're talking about a guy like that, James, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but are, are we assuming at that point that Frederick Anderson is in the deal? Yeah, you uh, yeah. right before you came on, we were talking about this, and yeah, I mean that's yeah, Anderson would 
I mean, to make the money work, that would be the way that it would have mm-hmm. to be. Yep. Yeah, and then you've got a guy you 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 don't have to worry too much about uh, about going to the off season with the big question mark. That that could make sense. And Arizona is a situation where you would think that they would be open to to adding some futures because they don't have enough. I mean, we know that you look at the sort of season they're trending towards, and they don't have that first round pick. Um, but is he worth a first round a, pick? Let me ask you that. I mean, is he worth a first round pick? I mean, in a perfect world, not necessarily. If if I'm Bill Armstrong and 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 I see that that four one six area code pop up, that's what I'm asking for. The I'm rumor is there. that's what they were asking for in the offseason yeah. for him. Yeah. yeah, and and he's been he's been good this season. He hasn't been he's hurt right lights now. out the way oh, that he's been, and he's hurt right now. So I mean, you've got to kind of. Uh, uh, you've got to thread that needle, but yeah, no, I'm, I, if, if I'm Bill Armstrong, I'm looking at the Leafs and saying, this is a team that needs to make a deal. If they're calling me about a goalie, it means they don't believe in their guy. Uh, I'm, I'm putting the price at a premium and I'm, I'm maybe willing to play a little bit of a game of chicken with the GM in Toronto that I know is under the gun mm-hmm. to make some sort of move, whether it's goaltending or something else. You know, who's another name that, that just, kind of came into my head is Anton Kudobin. Now Dallas's year has been kind of from hell with everything. He signed for two more years. He's been kind of just okay. He's also older. Um, anyway, let's move on to the next one. Where should we go with this? I got, I got a bunch of options for you guys. Let's, let's go with this. Let's go with the captain. Uh, John Tavares has three five on five goals so far this year in 30 games. Real fake or something in between. I think that's probably closer to being fake in the sense that, uh, you know, that I, I don't think this is who John Tavares is now. I also don't think the guy who was flirting with fifty goals a couple years ago is is who he is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hopefully, fans have adjusted their expectations accordingly. Again, you know, we just talked about Freddie Anderson being on the wrong side of thirty. Uh, John Tavares is too barely. Uh, he's, he's not at a point where you expect his production to fall off a cliff. Um, but he, he hasn't been great this year. And, uh, you know, I think he's, he's got the, the body of work and, and, you know, as a forward, uh, you can, you can look back a little bit more and, and not expect a, a rapid drop off. So I think it's closer to being fake. Um, but that doesn't mean that I think he's going to turn around and, and be a 90 plus point guy again, uh, for, uh, for the remaining years of this contract. Yeah, like I, I, I'm not so much worried about him producing a little bit more offense. It's just he just he doesn't look like an eleven million dollar player right now, and they're not really nope. using him like an eleven million dollar player either. I even you know that Ottawa game, they're trying to come back. They've got the they got their big guys on there at the end of the game, and I I, I just don't have a lot of confidence that he's going to be the guy that's going to make the big play. You know, in fact, he made some poor decisions with the puck when they were they had the goalie out of the net and they were trying to come back in that game. And it just seems like, for whatever reason, Tavares has had a lot of poor decisions with the puck and and bad turnovers. And um, I don't know if that's him slowing down or or what it is, but this is this has not been his year. You know, it's not like he's been terrible, but also his ice time's down. They've been sheltering him somewhat in a lot of games. Nylander's been playing really well lately. I I don't know. I don't. I I feel like Tavares is going to produce more, but I just I don't know that the Leafs are going to get value out of that contract here. Yeah. So I think you guys are on the right track. I think it's something in between. Now I think Sheldon Keefe and maybe John himself might counter that defensively. There have been strides, and 
I mean, Keefe at one point pointed to the the goals differential, and right now it's at fourteen to nine for the Leafs five on five when he's out there. Uh, but like I was telling James, Sean, like I went back a few days ago and was just watching a bunch of goals he scored that first year. We don't even see him get these kind of chances any anymore, and that's what's kind of like a little bit alarming to me. And when you project mm-hmm. ahead to the playoffs, it's like, what can they count on him for? Like, if he's not going to be able to give you like absorb some of the the, the burden defensively, maybe he's just like a complementary part that helps Neilander. And maybe that's, I, I think that's a big reason why you try and go out and get a forward. Maybe someone who helps. Tavares and Neilander a little bit more. What do you think? Yeah, I mean that that makes sense. And until the last week or two, that was where we were mostly looking as far as what the Leafs would do uh, in in terms of trade. Um, yeah, I mean th- this is a thing where you know it was, a, it was a big signing at the time, and I think uh, look part of the reason you make a signing like this is because you're sitting there going, well, you know what, the cap hit is big, but the cap's going to go up, mm-hmm. and over time. Uh, yeah. It'll it'll look better and better, and that didn't happen, and that's not on obviously the Leafs or anyone. Uh, it, nobody could have projected the situation we'd be in, but it does have an impact, and um, it uh, it it does. Y- y- you're right. I mean, I still think John Tavares is a good player. He's still you know, reasonably productive. If people are listening to this who don't normally follow the Leafs, they're probably looking and expecting that he's he's having a on pace for a forty point season, and he's you know he's not that. He's he's uh, he's still putting up decent numbers. But like James said, he, he doesn't look like an $11 million player most nights, uh, even even when sometimes the puck is going in. And uh, uh, if, if he finds that again, great, because we all know in this league, if you've got two centers that are going, uh, then you're, you're hard to stop. Uh, but uh, that's it's not the case these days. He's got he's got nine goals and twenty six points in thirty games, so that would put him you know low seventies in terms of point production, and and that's like eight what? and a half million, eight million, yeah, nine yeah. max. Yep, yeah. yeah. I mean the the Nashville Predators would take that, right? Uh, but uh, but you know the Leafs uh, Leafs probably would like to see more. All right, let's move on to a more of a positive um, person personality first half. Zach Hyman. He's all the rage right now. He's got 10 goals, 18 points in 28 games. He's playing almost 20 minutes a night. He's killing penalties. He's around the net on the power play. Real, fake, or somewhere in between? Who wants to go first? James, you want to go first? Sure. I mean, I, I, I'm i a believer. I've been a believer for a long time. He's one of those guys that's just gotten better and better. And, you know, we've been talking about age, but... You know, I I think there are always exceptions to those kind of things, and um, I think that Zach Hyman is one of them. And I think the Leafs should do whatever they can to try and make sure he's signed long term. So I'm going to say I think it's real. Yeah, I, I I mostly lean to to real as well. I mean, you look at this guy is uh, he's he's always been a great player on the forecheck. He's always been a guy that you, you feel comfortable in your own zone. Um, that was. That was always part of his game, and, and but since he arrived as a full time NHLer, the the offense has just gone up and up year after year, and uh, it's, you know to see it happen again this year, it's it's a nice surprise, but I don't think it's a shock. I, I my thing with Zach Hyman is I I would absolutely love to be a coach who gets to pencil this guy into the lineup every night. I would absolutely hate to be a GM who's got to figure out what his next contract looks like. Yeah, um, and it's because. 
Uh, even putting aside the cap squeeze, which you can't do, but but even putting that aside, um, th- this is a guy where if the Leafs go into the playoffs and have a run, it's it's not hard to imagine. You know, every time a team goes on a deep playoff run, there's always somebody that either the fans of that team or the or fans of other teams who don't watch that team a lot don't realize how good he is, and and they sort of have that breakout. And you could absolutely see Zach Hyman being that guy for the Leafs, like that Alan McCauley type guy where at the end of the run you're going, they've really got something there. And, and to have that happen right before he potentially hits free agency, um, boy, I, that that's tough. Because if you're Kyle Dubas, now you're not – and you let it get to that point, now you're not just bidding against what this guy's market value should be. You're bidding against what the one GM out there is willing to offer him that's maybe above and beyond what he deserves. And we don't know if that's necessarily what he's looking for. Obviously, he's – you know, local kid, he he may want to stay in Toronto, but that only takes you so far when you're a guy who's worked so hard your whole career, and now you've got your one big swing at, at a big free agent deal. Um, you know, he's got to go out there and, and maximize his value as, as best he can. Uh, this is going to be a tough one, and, and I'm really interested to see if it gets done soon, or if this is the sort of thing where a player or, or more likely his agent are going, no, no, we're, we're going to wait. We're going to hit the market. I want to hear, I want my phone ringing with 31 teams and, and not just one. And, and we see where it lands. Couldn't you guys just see like Pierre Dorian being like, you know what? Screw it. We're getting him 7 million a year. He's, he's coming. We're bringing home. We're not bringing him home, but we're bringing back the guy who, who kills it for the Leafs. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Steal a guy from a rival. I, I can see Pierre Dorian doing it. I Eugene Melnick when it's time to write the check. Eh, but but you know, you know that, what? That might be a little tougher. But if you got to sell Eugene on anything, selling him on something that's going to tick off yeah. Leaf fans is uh, is probably the I don't best know, hope. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but in the Canada division, there's been like you know the media big name media people have been like after that those three games over the Oilers they were Oilers media were saying this is the kind of guy the Oilers got to get and I was like oh boy like yeah maybe like a David Clarkson kind of contract offer coming from Edmonton potentially there, here there, there's not a lot of guys it's really hard to be in Toronto and be underrated <laughs> or be like an under the radar secret but but Zach Hyman might be as as close to that and look there was a, probably a point where three or four years ago he was going out there and he was banging and crashing and forechecking and, and being quote unquote hard to play against. And because there was so much skill elsewhere on the team, he probably was overrated a little bit in, in just the sense that he, you know, he, his game was so noticeably different and you're sitting there going, this guy's amazing. And then, you know, you look at the end of the year and he's got 10 or 15 goals. Um, but since then he's, he's become much more than that. And he's sort of, and, and I, I hate to almost even say this because it's, it's, it's going to sound like I'm I'm setting the bar way way too high, but you watch his career path. It's almost like a like a very poor man's Brad Marchand type of situation where it's kind of like ah you know he's 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 this but he's not that, and then the next year he's better and you go okay well that's maybe as good as he's going to get and it just keeps going and going and mm-hmm. obviously if he could follow that track, uh, then you're laughing when it when it comes time to uh, to locking the guy up long term. But assuming that it's a more a more reasonable curve uh boy i don't you know it, it not just the cap hit but how many years do you go for a guy who's going to be what like 29 by the time he signs the deal yeah well and it's like you see some of these plays like you're talking about it's like when he made that drive to the net and he goes backhand i think he went top shelf and you're just like that's zach hyman like wow this is a yep. this is development you know what i was thinking while you're talking about like the playoffs and like the kind of role he could play it almost feels like he could be like 
and this guy had a, a better career, obviously, but like a modern day Gary Roberts for in terms of like the personality, mm-hmm. the the attitude, and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, the, the contract is going to be interesting. Let's move on to the next guy, and I think this one's really interesting. Um, they didn't spend very much to get him. Obviously, they spent as little as they they could. Um, Joe Thornton, um, interesting kind of first half. Um, I guess James, you can go first again because Sean and I have been talking a lot. Um, real fake or, or somewhere in between? What do you make of his first half? I think he's actually been fine. I know that there's been like you know some criticism of a uh, criticism of Thornton. I mean, maybe he was played too high in the lineup a little bit too often. But I think for I mean, people have to keep in mind he's 41 years old. He's making 700k. He was the kind of the last guy they brought in in free agency as like a they haven't even hardly played him or haven't played him at all at, at, at his natural position. I think Thornton's been totally fine. You know, I, I don't have any problem with what he's brought to the table. And, you know, I think that, I think you got to keep in mind that like, even if he's a guy that's contributing on your fourth line and, and your power play, that that's more than enough value given what he's making. So, you know, I, I would say that what he's done so far is real. I think he's still got lots left in the tank and, the Leafs just have to be careful not to to play him too much. I think. Yeah, I I don't know what people were expecting from Joe Thornton at, at forty one. If if they feel let down by a season where he's scoring at a you know like a fifty plus point rate, this is a guy last year he had seven goals and thirty points in San Jose. Uh, you know he comes over uh, comes over here like James said he's playing out of position. He gets hurt with with one of those injuries that you know, especially at that age can. Uh, uh, can be a, a tough recovery. Um, yeah, I mean, is he 2008 Joe Thornton? No, of course not. If you thought you were getting that, then you were delusional. Um, I, I think you bring a guy like this in, Spezza too, and, and maybe maybe some of this is that you know, Spezza's been even better this year than, than maybe we thought. Um, you know, certainly early on, maybe that that for some reason just shifts some of the, the burden to Thornton. But, you know, he's... Uh, he's done everything that you would want, maybe a little bit more. Um, and you know, certainly when you're looking at value for the dollar, uh, given the deal that he signed, he's, he's been the least of the Leafs concerns. I think the issue though, is what it maybe exposes about their top six in that they might be like two forwards short. Like they, depending on where you want to put Hyman, um, they're at least one short. Um, and then like the trickle down effect is like, Okay, well, if you're putting Hyman up top, like suddenly, like your your third line is is a, is an, isn't quite the same. It doesn't have quite the same feel, and so I think that's part of the issue um, with his looking like a 41 year old more of late. Uh, let's do one quick one, and then we've got some questions uh, to take. This one I think is really interesting, and I think it's real and concerning, and that's the penalty kill. Uh, Sean, you can go first. Penalty kill chatter is not exactly thrilling, so we don't have to spend that long in it. Um, but it is a really big concern for them right now. Yep, it it absolutely is. And, uh, you know, especially, and this is going to sound like a weird thing to say, but especially on a team like Toronto where the power play is as big a weapon as it is, uh, the power play and the penalty, those, those should be two separate things, but... It's not. In, in today's NHL, and especially when you get to the playoffs, 
Every power play you get is one you're probably going to have to kill because of the way they manage the game. And, uh, you know, if you're the Leafs, you, you should be out there thinking, yeah, we want to get the, the power play out there as much as we can because it's so dangerous, but it means you're going to be killing some penalties too, whether you're, whether you should be or not. And if, if, the, if the penalty kill is given all those goals right back, you've just lost a major, uh, a major, what should be a major advantage for a team that's built the way you built it. James? I know Flyers fans were never a big fan of Dave Haxtall as the head coach and the penalty kill when he was there. So yeah. maybe there's some bad, maybe there's some bad juju there. I, I don't. the The penalty kill looks like when it's been getting beat lately. It looks pretty like like a tight box and very stationary. And other teams are are kind of picking them apart. And maybe it's one of those things where the system they're playing they they need they need more saves than they've been getting. I mean, I know that the they're. Their their save percentage yep. on while well, they're shorthanded is just brutal right now. So yeah, I, I don't know if there's like some sort of symbiotic thing there that's 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 off with the penalty kill or or I don't maybe they should try different personnel. I don't know. Like maybe they need to. It's just like James. Why is Boston always like? Why do they always have one of the five best penalty kills in the league? Like what is it just Patrice Bergeron? Yeah, and Marchand too, I guess. Yeah, the Leafs need some more Patrice Bergeron in their in their in their life. Should we put so. him on the trade targets list? <laughs> I don't think he's available. Should do that. Nick <laughs> Robertson in a fourth round pick. Who says no? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's a tough one. All right, I think we have to take one quick break, and then we will come back and do our pod bag special edition. All right, it's pod bag time, which means James, you are in charge. Okay, Andrew Huska wants to know, DGB, do you expect a trade this week due to the schedule? Yeah, I know that's that's been uh, that's well, been out there. Friedman got that fired Friedman up. Friedman right? really got that that rolling, which I I love. I love that. I love a guy with that high profile is like throwing a calendar up there and circling the dates and going, "This is the day." Um, <laughs> and it could be. I think the Leafs are. If people didn't see it, the the thinking was that. They are coming up on a thin part of the schedule, and if you're going to add somebody from the U.S., they've got the 14-day quarantine, and this would be a way to minimize how many games they're going to miss. Um, and yeah, that that does make sense. I don't know if it's a huge factor, especially for a team like the Leafs, where as, as bad as the last two weeks have been, they're still making the playoffs. So this isn't this isn't a situation where you're like a Calgary or a Montreal where you're saying we got to make a deal now because we're our grip on the playoffs is is loosening, and we you know bringing in a guy and, and having to miss two weeks is tough. The Leafs can think a little bit longer term. So I don't think it's, I don't think it's mandatory that they do something right now. I think they have the ability to, to be patient or at least feign some patience uh, as, as other GMs are trying to take advantage and, and maybe even go up close to the deadline. But yeah, if something presents itself, if there's been something on the back burner and, and you've been waiting for the right time to pull the trigger now, now would be the time to do it. I think they're probably going to do something here real soon. The The only caveat to that is that you need a, a dance partner, right? And some of the other teams might want to like kind of wait until there are more buyers or, you, you know, maybe you have to give up more to get it done right now. And that's why you wait. I was, I'm just, I've been thinking like, while you guys are talking, like I kind of think Sean's maybe I'm kind of more in his camp in that. I mean, like they're not so urgent that, it's like we got to get it done now, now. But um, Friedman put up the calendar on the TV. Yeah, I guess the, the one counter to that is is like you're getting him for the playoffs, um, obviously. But you would like, like, if you're getting, I don't know, one of these high profile guys, 
you want them for more regular season games if if they're only rentals, especially like you're. Yeah. But and and you and you don't want a guy coming in and having seven games left to yes. figure out where he fits in the lineup and who he's going to play with, and he's got no chemistry with anybody. So it's it's well, not. Well, they have to quarantine too. Like they, I mean, if you yep. if you can't skate and you can't work out properly, then you're not going to even be ready to play in the game. So like mm-hmm. that, those fourteen days is it's a big uh, it's a big issue. That's a really good point, though, and I think we always 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 take that for granted is how difficult it is to transition to a new team. Like we have so many cases where it's just like, it takes a while to get comfortable. Like, remember, I think Jake Muzzin said it took him like three months before he really felt comfortable with the Leafs. And they picked him up in like January, I think that right at the end of January. Um, and that was a normal year. So I think that's important to consider too. Alex Howe asks, Everybody knows this group is going to be judged on their playoffs. Why is everybody freaking out? Is it just because freaking out is a normal thing to do? And after the last year, we just want normalcy? What do you think, Sean? Yeah. I mean, why is everyone freaking out? Uh, welcome to Toronto, first of all. <laughs> uh, and, you know, this, this is what we do. You're right. They are going to be judged based on, on the playoffs, but it's not the playoffs yet. And, you know, I, I, I'm sure, as you guys know, they're, you know, it's not like we could just sit there and go hang up a sign that says check back in in a month or two. Uh, And, you know, you also do want to see, you know, you look at where they were two weeks ago when they look like a powerhouse and they're rolling over everyone. That gives you some confidence going in. Now, the flip side of this, and this is where I can turn my, my kind of natural pessimism the other way and and use it uh, for good is if, if the season had kept going the way it looked like it was going to go for two weeks ago and they ran away and they won the division by 20 points, We'd all be freaking out heading into the playoffs going, oh my goodness, this team hasn't played a meaningful game in, in a month or two months. They, they're going to have to find their game. They're going to be rusty. They're going to be this and that going up against a four seed that just won a playoff race. So, you know, there's always going to be something. But yeah, this is just, this this is what people do. We we overreact to everything and it's uh, part of being part of being a sports fan. Adversity, James. They need adversity. Now they it's, have. Yeah, I mean, it's not the worst thing. If I mean, like they were kind of on a shooting percentage bender early in the year, so it's not the worst thing that they're going to have to clean some things up. You know, right at the mid. I mean, there's still there's still a lot of the season left. So uh, Matthew Byron wants to know our thoughts on the Miko Lettinen trade. I mean, they they brought a guy in. They thought it was going to be an opportunity. He's he's on a one year deal. The opportunity wasn't materializing, so they both cashed that in to get an asset of some value uh, and also gave the guy the opportunity to, to go somewhere else and, and potentially uh, make a little bit more of a market for himself. I didn't, uh, you know, th- th- this is this is not a deal that I think is going to be uh, looked back on as, as being especially meaningful one way or another, even if he goes on and becomes a legitimate NHL player and doesn't go back home and, and, and becomes what we thought it was, he was going to be, it wasn't going to happen in Toronto. So you know, go ahead, get, uh, you know, get a goaltending prospect. Who knows where that's going to go? You never know with that position. And it's, I think it's, I think it's reasonable. Um, unless we were, we hit a stretch where three or four defensemen all get hurt, and now you're sitting there going, man, we could really use this guy right now. But that's that's the risky run. Well, and I'd like to see, I know he's hurt right now, but I'd like to see if there ever is an opportunity. Like, I'd rather see Rasmus Sandin playing those minutes than, than Miko Lennon. I just, if I'm the Leafs, like that, they kind of got themselves in a, a pickle a little bit. I, it, I think it was inadvertent. 
like they sign Lettinen and then they have the bubble experience. And they're like, oh, we need to change our defense. And obviously Brody was always going to be part of that, but like now Bogosian's in there. But playing Lettinen ahead of Sandine is, it's tough. Um, and so like maybe the next opportunity is Sandine instead of Lettinen. And I think that's better in the big picture for them. Sonny wants to know, uh, if there has to be money in and money out on a potential trade, does that mean Alex Kerfoot should start packing his bags? If the Leafs have to trade a salary out, the, the a difficult question I wrestle with is like, what what money do you move out on this roster? He's the only one like, conceivable, really, isn't he? But you kind of want to keep him, don't you? Like, it's not like he has no value. Not if you're replacing him. That's basically what you're doing, right? Like you're you're trying to yeah, get but- someone who's better for that role or something. But if you can acquire lines. someone without getting rid of them, that seems like a much bigger win than, than getting rid of them and bringing someone else in. It is. You, you just, you got to figure out how to afford it. And you're right. He's, he's the only one really of, of guys who have contracts that go past this season. Uh, and you know, when it comes to, uh, if, if we're only talking about somebody coming in as a rental for one year, then you don't necessarily have to move salary out. You can go to the other team and say, we need you to retain a big chunk of that. And we understand the price that we're going to pay in terms of prospects or, or picks is going to go up, but there's a way to make, make that work. But if it's somebody, if it's good, if they're going to do something like what the lightning did last year, where you're bringing in guys who are under contract past mm-hmm. this year, um, it's, uh, I mean, it, it, it doesn't become impossible because you do have guys coming off the books, but it, it's going to make for a real tough, tough off season. So I, I mean, to me, when I'm talking to teams, if 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 they're viewing Alexander Kerfoot as just a salary dump, just as something they got to take on, then that's probably not going to be a deal that works very well. But if he's a guy that is viewed as having some value, and maybe it's not three plus million dollars of value, but having some value, um, then yeah, then that's a situation where. Uh, you know, it's it's not just money in and money out. It's it's talent in and out, and yeah. and uh, you, you know the the other teams are gonna are gonna want something. And if you can say, hey, here's a good guy that you can drop in your lineup who isn't making a crazy amount of money, um, that potentially means a pick or a prospect that you don't have to give up, which you can either then bank for the future or use in another deal uh, that you wouldn't otherwise be able to make. I really like him too. Like, I I don't know why there's just lots of little parts about him that I like. And yet, like, I kind of feel like they need to upgrade that position. James, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, I think if you're moving him for someone that has some term, that makes some sense. You know, if you feel like it's a piece that's going to kind of change the complexion of your team, but trading him for a rental doesn't, doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. What about if that rental is Taylor Hall? (laughs) Oh, baby. Well, but I mean, the Taylor Hall is a situation where you go to the Sabres and you say retain half the salary, and that that's more than what Kerfoot makes in, in terms of the cap hit. So, yeah, I don't think they can fit in half of Taylor Hall without moving out salary, though. Like, yeah, like there's there's, there's really not a lot of space. Like, I mean, Keith said after the game last night. Did you hear him, Jonas? He yeah. said like, they, they are you gonna make any are you gonna make any lineup changes or or before the game? I think last he's night. like, we have no any, space, and you looked have, at we it. Can't, yeah, he said, I have no flexibility. Like, I can't, he, they couldn't make any changes. Like, they, I, I think with, like, LTIR and everything that's going on, it's, they, they really don't have a lot of room right now. Yeah, so. Cap Friendly has their projected cap space right now at 29,256. So they can, like, buy, like, a Honda Accord or something. <laughs> like, like, they don't, they don't have room for a Taylor Hall. So, 
Um, let's let's try and fit in. We only got a couple minutes here. Let's try and fit in some more. Uh, Wade Gulliver asks, what curse effect is stronger to North Division teams? CJ calling you a juggernaut on Twitter or DGB putting you in the top five weekly rankings? Ooh, boy. Okay. You know, <laughs> and the Leafs were not in your top five this week. I mean, not yeah. this week. No, Can't they were. The, the history there is that I, I I dropped Montreal in right before they fell off, and I and I dropped the Leafs in uh, two weeks ago. And yeah, I, I I wait for CJ to call a team a juggernaut, and that's when they they make the top five. So uh, you can you can blame both of us, but he's the uh, he's the one who's taking the lead on the stance. Uh, Sean, uh, Paul from Leafville wants to know, would you rather fight a hundred duck sized James Myrtles or one giant James Myrtle sized duck? Ooh. See, I feel like James is so tall that I feel like a duck sized James Myrtle would be like a regular sized <laughs> dude. So I basically have like a hundred knees coming at me. I, I don't like, I don't like my odds there. Uh, we get some really dumb questions. I don't know. If it, that's, uh, I, here's one I can answer. It's, it's, from uh, down with Dion. I don't know if that means he likes Dion or he doesn't like Dion. I guess um, he doesn't like Dion. Imagine, imagine sticking with a Fanuf handle, even <laughs> like all these years later. His contract gets traded to Ottawa and bought out. And all right, uh, he says, "What the hell is with goalies all across the league today? Save percentage is down significantly." Do you guys want to take a shot at that? I know what the answer is. Actually, the answer is is that I don't. The NHL is not counting shots on goal properly this yeah. year. The, and, and and the other answer is that like league wide save percentage is down like three points, which is not nothing. But as as anyone who reads my stuff or listens to my other podcasts knows, it, the quickest way to drive me crazy is to talk about how scoring has exploded or something when it's up like a yeah. fraction of a point. Um, but yeah, you're right. The the shots. Basically, there there are fewer stat trackers in all the buildings, and they're missing. They're missing. There's just fewer shots on goal and shot attempts being counted league wide right now in for every team. So, you know, it, it, it frustrated me because people were talking about the Leafs and like, look how many fewer shots on goal they're allowing. Look how how their shot attempts are down. It's like, yeah, but the entire league is down like five percent. So, you know, the the Leafs improvement, a lot of it is just a mirage that from from the guys that are sitting in the press box not counting the stats. Not counting the shots, which means some of those easier shots from a distance that normally would have been counted and would have bumped up a save percentage yep. are, are no yep. longer showing up. And, exactly. and you're right, they're down about, the, it's about a shot and a half a game per team, which is significant. I actually love watching that, James. I was just going to say, like, have you guys ever watched what happens in that room with all the stack counters? It's it is madness. chaos. It's mad. It should be a TV show on NHL Network. It looks like a bunch of chickens running around throwing papers all over the place. Like it's just like it's it's crazy. I don't mean they're chicken. I mean like actual chickens, not like the humans that are scared of something. <laughs> all right, one more, James, and then we got our scoot. Oh man, I don't really love any of these ones. So what? How about your own question? Do you have some? Do you have something you can throw at DGB? Um, wait, wait, Sean, what do what do you think? Is your confidence level for the Leafs in the playoffs this year going up against the Canadian teams? Okay, here's here's my mixed answer. Is I think I have more confidence in this team than than people might expect. Uh, I think they're the best team in the division, and I think they're by the time it all shakes out, assuming no major injuries or, or anything unexpected, I think they'll be the best team in the division by a decent margin. Uh, and, uh, so in that sense, I'm confident 
The flip side of that is this is the NHL, and even if you're the best team by a decent margin, that doesn't necessarily translate to much. I mean, if, if you look at this Leafs team, if you they're going to have to beat two Canadian teams to get out of the division. If you think the Leafs are a 70% favorite against any team they might run up against from this division, which would be, that's a big favorite in today's NHL and with, with all the parity and everything. Huge. This is, it's huge. But if you think they're a 70% favorite in both round one and two, that means that the chances are greater than the, the, the chances are that they're not going to win both of those rounds. If you're a seventy percent favorite twice, you're more likely than not to to lose one of those one of those two, and that's where I, I'm sitting there going, you know what? I feel good about them. I think they're they're going to be the better team. They're going to be the favorites, but I think people are underestimating just the uncertainty around the NHL playoffs. And anytime you have a team like this year's Leafs where it starts to feel like make or break, like they're going to be judged based on the playoffs. It's where I get nervous because I don't think we do a very good job of understanding how the odds work. And, uh, you know, there's no, no better example than Tampa two years ago versus Tampa last year. Uh, the, yeah. I mean, there's probably like at best, a, like 35, 40% chance they make it to the third round, even if they do come yep. out of it as you know, like, it's, that's just, that's just the they're, reality. They're, they're going to be quite likely the best team in the division and, Chances are that won't translate into coming out of the division, which means we're in for an offseason full of people tearing their hair out, trying to figure out what went wrong and, and you know, what's the fatal flaw and what do you do about it? Um, which isn't to say that you just hand wave away anything that happens in the playoffs. Obviously, if they go out there and they're, they're blowing leads and they're, they're not pushing back and, and, and crumbling then that's, you know, you look at that. But I think that the chances are the most likely outcome to this season is that we're sitting here in a few months going, the Leafs were finished first in the division by a fair amount, and they lost in the first or second round, and now everyone's freaking out. Well, I mean, look at the last few years. They lost two game sevens, and they lost game five in a bubble to Columbus in like a really close series, and we're like, they're terrible. They can't get over the playoff hump, but it's like if one of those games goes like if they get a better, they get a save from Frederick Anderson, we look at this way different. Um, anyway, we're out of time. Sean, you've got the athletic hockey show this week on Thursday with Ian Mendez. That show's really good. You guys are. Can't believe you have to it. put up with that guy, man. Yeah, it's, so, it's, sorry we stuck you with rough. him. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's uh, it's it's pretty tough. No, we're we we have a lot of fun with that show, and I uh, hope uh, I hope people check it out because uh, it's uh, yeah, it's a good time. All right, well, guys, this has been fun. I I'm glad to talk to you. It's it's an interesting time of year. I hope you're keeping well. The sun is shining. Let's uh, let's continue to enjoy the season. It's been fun. So, Sean, thank you, James. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Right on. Thanks, guys.